This is episode 621 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. On today's podcast, I have a special interview with J.J. Johnson of realitysurvival.com. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is usually an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website. But from time to time, I interview members of the preparedness community who can bring a ton of value and information to your preparedness. Links to this podcast can be found in the show notes or on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, this episode is sponsored by the exclusive Prepper Website email group, which allows you to communicate with other preppers right from your email. You don't have to worry about your every link, click, or word being tracked by social media. This email group resides on the same servers as Prepper Website. So if you'd like some more information, you can go over to PrepperWebsite.net or click the link in the show notes. Hey guys, last week I introduced or I said, mentioned, I guess, that uh, we're going to start the five-day or the Prepper Website five-day Build Your Own Prepper Group Challenge. That was going to start on February 10th. And I'm really excited about that. I'm still, I want to promote that. I'm starting to put links everywhere. I think I did let the podcast uh, community know first, and then I started sharing it in other places, and people are signing up for that left and right. I'm starting to drop the links in social media, at least, you know, kind of send them there automatically, and I'm also posting it on Prepper website. And so I, I really would encourage you to be a part of that the, the first Prepper website, five-day build-your-own Prepper group challenge. I'm really excited, and I hope you will click the link in the show notes and sign up for this challenge that we will be kicking off on February 10th. All right, guys, I'm really excited about this interview. I got the interview J.J. Johnson of realitysurvival.com. J.J. has been in the preparedness space for a long time. I think uh, if not longer than I have you know, about the same amount of time. And he brings a lot of experience, not only his uh, background from the military and what he does on, you know, for his, his job, but he brings a lot of preparedness experience and skills. And he shares that on his website and on his YouTube channel. And so it was really a great privilege to be able to sit down with him and talk a little bit uh, about preparedness and his views. And I think you're going to find we're, we're aligned in a lot of ways. And so uh, I'm going to go ahead and jump into it because I know you're going to want to listen to this interview. So let's go ahead and start with this interview, JJ Johnson of realitysurvival.com. Hey, JJ, welcome to the Prepper Website Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. Hey, glad that you are here. Hey, uh, I know a lot about you. I've linked to articles on Prepper Website, and uh, all throughout the years, I've uh, you know watched your YouTube channel and all the great stuff that you're sharing out. But for those people that don't know you very well on the podcast, would you share a little bit about yourself and your journey into preparedness? Sure, you bet. Uh, so, uh, like I said, my name is JJ Johnson, and um, I have been prepping, I don't know, I guess most of my adult life, really, my grandparents really are the ones that kind of got me into it uh, when I was younger. And uh, even <clears throat> when I was in like fifth grade, I used to take survival manuals. We lived on a small farm in Missouri and we'd, t we'd go to the library because we didn't have the internet back then, you know, <laughs> and we'd get survival manuals and take them out in the woods and, and like, okay, let's build this shelter, you know, and build a lean-to and, and all that kind of stuff. So I was always kind of interested in, in that kind of, you know, wilderness survival aspect. And then when I got, uh, when I got 
when I turned 22, I joined the Air Force and I joined uh, and volunteered to become a survival instructor. So I, I became a, a SEER instructor. Is, is, there's an acronym that's basically Survival, Evasion, Resistance, and Escape. I was in class 9702. It's a winter class, the hard class. <laughs> and, um, and I did that for four years. And then I cross-trained into the Air Force Office of Special Investigations. And I've been a special agent with them now for about, well, I guess it's about 20 years this year. And during that time frame, I've been deployed five times, uh, been all over the Middle East. And I have seen what collapsed societies look like firsthand and and what it looks like living in an shtf situation and so um those learning experiences you know kind of uh, helped me to understand how great we have it here in america now and how easily it can all fall apart and uh then once you know uh, when i got married and started having a family I just just kind of prepping just seemed like a, a common sense thing to do just to be ready you know, just to, to be prepared for whatever happens. Cause I've got, a, I've got, you know, three kids that I have to look after and my wife and all that. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Wow. Wow. So you've got a, a great skill set there, man. I mean, you've, uh, you've been all over the place. You've done a lot of stuff. So uh, going back to that SEER instructor and being in the military, what were some of the most eye opening things or responses that you, that you had from the air crews that you trained and uh, the different people that you've had as far as uh, gone through your courses uh, when it came to survival? Sure. I, I, had, uh, I had one student one time who, who told me that uh, it started snowing, and, and he just started <laughs> freaking out, and he was, like, jumping up and down. He was looking at it, and he was, like, just holding his hand, and he was, like, all freaking out. And I was like, what are you, what are you doing, man? And he's like, dude, I've never seen snow before. <laughs> wow. And he was from South Florida, you know, and he just, he joined the military and came right in. He'd just never seen it, you know, in, in person. And uh, I had another guy who was from, uh, who lived in the inner city in New York. And I don't know exactly where and all that, but he said that he'd never actually seen trees outside of concrete before. Wow. And he said, you see them in pictures and all that kind of stuff, but he'd never seen it in real life. And I was really surprised by that, you know, but, um, I, so I thought those were probably two of the things that were like kind of the most shocking for me. Um, but one kind of generalization that I noticed as a survival instructor is that women were generally speaking better students than men. They usually did, um, they usually excelled at the tasks. They, they did a better job. Um, they paid more attention and they just were really all around better. Uh, I think a lot of that is because they leave their ego at the door and they come in just like trying to learn because they're like, I'm going to have to be out here for six days. I want to, you know, I don't want to starve or whatever. So they pay attention more. Whereas a lot of guys kind of seem like they have a lot to prove and you know, that kind of thing. And then they end up screwing up even more. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, that, that, uh, that makes sense. I mean, I can understand that. Hey, can we jump a little bit to, you know, you talked about the Middle East and you talked about collapsed societies um, and you talked a little bit about, you know, the appreciation that you have for living in the United States. I, I completely agree with that. When people start talking about where would you, where would you move to? What kind of country, what other country would you go to? I think they're crazy because, you know, the United States is, we're so blessed and it's really so big. There's a lot of land. I mean, if you needed to move to another region or whatever, you could do that. But what were some of the things, just if you were to talk a little bit to someone who was always thinking about, you know, the United States, 
I, I want to move to another country or, you know, along those lines, what would you say to them? Well, so uh, most of my experience has been in the Middle East, right? And then uh, I've also been to China and to Chile, or not China, excuse me, India, and then Chile. I'm thinking about that coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, and so in those particular places, um, I would say that you just don't understand the kind of freedom that you really have here. Um, you don't understand how, um, how you are not oppressed, uh, especially women. Um, you know, the treatment of women and things like that in other countries is pretty bad. The treatment of children is, is really pretty bad. Um, you know, and, and you just, you are subject to the will of the state. You know, that's the bottom line and you don't have any recourse. Um, I've been to Chop Chop Square in Saudi Arabia, um, where they still cut people's hands off and heads off and all that kind of stuff for breaking their religious rules. And, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely, it's pretty sobering, you know, it's, it's a pretty sobering difference in our societies. And so I think the the human rights issues are the, are the biggest part of it. Uh, you can also get into the sanitation aspect of it. Um, and the way that they go about sanitation and stuff in a lot of places is just really bad. <laughs> it's just really bad. Um, and, 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 those, and those issues, those sanitation issues, end up causing a huge number of deaths. You know, and, and that's, that's something that I've kind of tried to harp on a lot on my website and my, my videos and stuff that I do is that sanitation will probably be the biggest killer uh, in, a, in a real bad SHTF situation here in the United States where we lose grid power and utilities, sanitation will probably kill more than any other thing, including violence, yeah, cholera, I, typhoid, dysentery, all those kinds of things. They're really deadly. I, I completely agree on that. And I think we've both have been saying the same thing about that. If there was a true SHTF uh, situation, that the sanitation would be big. Now, I mean, the, the temporary, you know, poop hit the fan type, you know, the literally, right. But those types of things people talk about, you know, you know, having plastic bags and, but that, that's not long-term. What are you going to do long-term? Right. Um, I, uh, you know, people know on my, on my podcast that I am a minister and I sometimes officiate weddings. I was officiating a wedding for a guy who works with uh, the sewer system in, you know, out in the County where I live. And I was asking him about, you know, what, what would happen. And so basically what he was saying is, so you're gravity fed until you get to a pump and then that pump pumps it back over and then it's gravity fed till it gets to another pump. And then it's gravity fed until it gets to another pump until it gets to the waste removal plant or whatever. Right. And I said, so what happens if the, if the electricity is out? Uh, and so I was referencing different hurricanes that we've had down in the Houston area and uh, he said, well, you know, we have generators and we just refill them. And I'm like, okay, well, what happens if you don't refill them? Like, yeah, well, then it would start to back up, you know? Right. And that's something that people don't ever truly think about. Um, that's why I think if you, if you don't have a place where you are going out, leaving your, your home, you, your neighborhood really needs to be on board and making sure that uh, y'all don't, you know, you don't back up the, you know, your, your sewer lines. I think that's yeah. going to be real important. Yeah, absolutely. And I, one of the things I, I try to, to recommend to people is to make sure that you have a, um, um, a backflow valve installed 
so that, you know, it's basically a one-way valve that'll let sewage out, but it'll, it'll close it and keep sewage from coming back in so that you don't get back up. Um, and then the other thing uh, I've talked a little bit about too is just having the, uh, the foresight, I guess, to, to, to think about how would you dig a latrine in your backyard if you needed to. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a regular slit latrine, slit trench latrine can go a long ways. Um, a lot of people have a, uh, like a little shed in their backyard. You can take one of those sheds and uh, you could put it on like six by six skids and you can slide it right over the top of the, of the trench that you dug and then have, you know, your, your makeshift seat on the inside. Uh, so it's a pretty easy way to, to be able to, to build a latrine if you needed to, you know, in a, in a city kind of suburban kind of environment, um, to, to just get, cause you got to handle it. You have to handle it somehow, you know, you got to deal with the waste and, um, if you just try to put it in bags and different things like that, that's going to, that's going to run out and it's going to get real messy real, you know, real quick. Um, so you got to look at alternatives, you know? Yeah, completely, completely agree. Just real quick on that valve that you were talking about, where do you suggest installing that? You know? So it, go, it generally goes right out at the street. Um, it's, it's, it's fairly expensive endeavor to have that put in, but it'll generally go out of the street where your, your line for your house tees off of the main sewer line. Okay. And you'll have to have a, you'll have to have a plumber or a pipe fitter come in and, and put it in if it doesn't have it. A lot of, um, county code require that you have one on there. Um, but some, some places still don't. So it just kind of depends on, on whether or not your county is, has required it or not, but it's worth looking into. No, that's a good point. I never thought about that. That's not something that uh, that this guy said. So I'll look into that. I was always thinking of uh, pipe plugs where you could, you know, plug up, um, you know, the sewer, at least from coming back up if other people weren't listening and, and uh, they kept continuing to use the sewer. But uh, man, that we, we went right into the sewer really quick on that one. But <laughs> I, but here's the thing. I mean, that's important. It's important to preparedness. It's, it's one of those things, like you said, out in other countries, where they don't value sanitation like we have. Yeah. People get sick from, you know, from just drinking the water because they're not thinking about this. So that's a really yeah. good point. Just a real quick story. I saw uh, in Afghanistan right outside of Bagram air base. Um, I, I used to see kids playing in these, in these ditches in, in wa- of water out in front of their homes. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I would ask the interpreter, I was like, what's the deal with this, this water and all that kind of stuff. And they're like, Oh, we don't have piped water here. So that's where it comes down, you know, out of the stream or whatever. That's where they get their drinking water from. Oh. And I said, yeah, but like that kid was just taking a crap in it. Oh <laughs> and they're my like, gosh. yeah, <laughs> that's also where they do the same thing, you know? And it's like, oh, gosh, this is, this is really, really not good. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it's pretty interesting how some people live. No, I, we, we definitely are truly blessed. So um, let's, let's jump back a little bit to the, the survival or the, the wilderness survival yeah. um, where you were teaching the classes because, you know, one of the things that, that I noticed early on in preparedness was there was a lot of that. There was a lot of bushcraft articles. Um, there's still people on YouTube that do it, but there's a lot of bushcraft articles. There, there was a lot of survival wilderness type stuff. I haven't seen a lot of that. Um, because you've taught courses out there and you've taught people how to survive, what are some of the common myths that people have when it comes to surviving out in the wilderness? 
I think the biggest one that I see on a pretty much daily basis um, on social media and stuff like that is that a lot of people believe that it's going to be easy that, you know, I've got my bug out bag or my, my inch bag. That's my, that's my favorite one. I'm never coming home. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and they think that they're going to be able to just hike out into the mountains and stay out there and that, that they have a better chance of success at doing that than they do in being with a group somewhere, maybe on the, the urban rural fringe of the, of a, of a city or something along those lines. And uh, it's just a fantasy for most people. And, and, and I will throw myself in there, right? I, I, I taught survival for four years. I consider myself to be a very good woodsman. And uh, I would have a very difficult time in, in staying in the woods for more than a month or two. Um, and, you know, especially going over a winter, you know, if you're in a mountainous area and spending uh, the winter out in the mountains, that is a very difficult proposition. Um, it, it, people just don't understand how busy you have to be, how much work has to be done just to, just to cut the firewood, cut and gather the firewood is an almost all consuming process. Um, and then, you know, you throw in your, your bathing and trying to bathe in a stream and all that kind of stuff. It takes a lot of, takes a lot more time than you would think, you know, especially if it's wintertime, if you've got to heat up your water, um, uh, throwing in, you know, keeping your shelter up, you know, and all that kind of stuff, hunting, gathering, you know, getting foraging for plants and all that kind of stuff. Cause your food's only going to last a little while. It's just a really difficult process. It's not hard to do for a few days. You know, this, and you can even, most people can probably make it a couple weeks, you know, but any longer than that, and it really starts to get very difficult. Um, we, in the uh, initial phase of training that I went out, we went out for 22 days and I lost, I think, 24 or 25 pounds uh, when I did it. And, you know, that, that's just that, that's not even a month yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you, you start to extend that for, you know, two, three, four or five months or a year and you're, it's hard. <laughs> and then you have to, then you have to think about, uh, you have no security, especially if you're alone, you have no security, you know what I mean? So you can really never sleep very good or anything like that securely. Um, and then if you have any kind of a medical injury, you just twist your ankle, which mm -hmm. is really easy to do, you know, especially out there in the woods when you're not on a nice little hiking trail. Um, what are you going to do then? You know, what if you get a broken bone or a compound fracture or those kinds of things? It's, it's almost a certain death sentence. So, uh, I think the biggest myth is, is that it's easy. <laughs> you know yeah well and you you mentioned something you know being out there alone um that kind of leads to my my next question because you've been in the preparedness space for a, for a while now uh and you've no doubt you've seen a lot of different ideas and uh, come through throughout the years and and all that kind of stuff um what has really stood out to you throughout the years and and what has really morphed as far as ideas that once maybe back in the, you know, 2008s, 2009s, and, and now, what kinds of ideas have morphed when you start looking at what's out there in the preparedness community? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to what you said, the, the alone thing, because I remember when, when I first started, that was the big deal, was being able to survive alone, and that, that went out the door really quickly because people started realizing, you know, just like you said, it's, you can't survive out there by yourself, and 
you get hurt, I mean, you're stuck, right? And, yeah. and so that's one thing that I remember that stuck out at me, you know, but, but what other things stick out at you? So I think the, the one that um, it always used to kind of get on my nerves and I, I harped about it a lot for a lot of years. And I don't, I don't know that I had any impact on the community or not, but it was the, the, the bugging in versus bugging out argument. And it seemed like there used to be this, I am going to bug in no matter what, or I'm going to bug out no matter what. And I have no choice. Like, you know, it was either a hard this way or that way. And um, I think that the most of the community has realized that you really need to be prepared for both, you know, and that's, that's kind of an evolution that I've seen over the, over the years is that I think more people are starting to wake up to the fact that, like you said, you need to have a group and you need to be ready to do both because there are circumstances for which it could be forced upon you. You may not have an option one way or the other. So you really need to kind of start to be um, a little bit more full spectrum, you know, in the way that you, in the way that you approach it and, and just realize that yes, plan A might be to bug in, but you may have to option, you know, exercise option, option B, which is says you have to bug out, you know? Yeah. I, I think one of the other ones that, that really sticks out for me uh, was this idea of you're just going to, circle the wagons in your home and you're going to put out blackout curtains and you're going to, you know, bar the doors and you're just going to stay quiet until the zombies eat everybody. And then you'll be able to emerge victorious. Um, I, you know, there's still people out there that, I, that think that way to a point, yeah. but I think uh, a lot of people have realized, you know what? No, there's safety in numbers. There's people that have skills out there that I need to connect with and, and they might not be prepared, but uh, or prepared at least the way that I think they should be prepared. But um, there, there are value, values to, or they're valuable to the community or at, you know, at least to our preparedness. And so they need to be involved. Yeah. I just, I just did a, a video talking about that not too long ago, talking about the, you know, the basically the gray man house, you know, kind of making your house yeah. look like it's, you know, just nobody's there and all that kind of thing versus making it look like a hard target. Mm-hmm. you know, where you're, you're actually trying to harden it. You have actually kind of put up some fencing and different, you know, obstacles and, and you have people watching, you know, on guard and those kinds of things. And, and I think, I think that has, um, that has kind of morphed and changed as well. And uh, I even did a, a video earlier on, you know, talking about that, where if you were in an urban situation and you had no, no friends, no group, no anything that maybe that would be an option for you. But the more that I thought about that, it's, it's really just inviting people to come kick in your door, mm-hmm. you know, because people are going to be looking for supplies and stuff like that. If there's a big, you know, a big situation and if a house looks unoccupied, Hey, let's go check it out. There might yeah. be something in there, you know? And so it's really probably not a great idea. Whereas if you have a hard target, if you, if you, you know, your, your presence is being seen, you're, you got people around the house, you've got, you know, multiple ones of your neighbors maybe with you that's going to be a lot more difficult for a few thugs to come and, and take care of. So it yeah. seems to be that that's probably the wiser option, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Good points. Hey, you know, when I go to your website, the tagline says uh, preparedness for everyday life. And uh, you also have that on your YouTube channel. So what, what do you mean by that when you say that? I guess it's really just that, you know, regional disasters happen 
you know, weather-related disasters happen on a regular and reoccurring basis. We see forest fires. We see snowstorms and ice storms, you know, um, hurricanes, you know, tsunamis. Just Jamaica just had one just the other day, you know, uh, earthquakes. Those kind of things happen all around us all the time. And so statistically speaking, the chances of you being uh, involved in one of those instances is very, very high. Now, the impact might be a lot lower than what we're talking about with a big SHTF situation where we don't have any grid power and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, if you, uh, if you can handle two weeks or a week without power in your house, and if you can prepare for that, that's going to set you miles ahead, you know, for, for what most people will be prepared for if there is a big situation. So I think starting with the common everyday stuff is really where most, you know, preppers should, should focus. And then once you get those issues uh, kind of covered and, and all that kind of stuff, you can kind of start to worry about some of the more, you know, low probability things um, that have a really high impact. But as you go through that journey, that continuum, you know, the more and more you get prepared for, you're kind of working towards that, that big goal of, of being able to survive whatever, you know. Yeah, no, I uh, completely agree. And uh, I, I always talk about, yeah, you might not ever have uh, or experience a solar flare, but you might experience uh, a job loss. You might experience, Absolutely. you know, some kind of sickness or someone in your family will experience some kind of sickness. Uh, you might experience a time where, you know, money's tight and all those things play into preparedness. And, uh, you know, people just look at, at the big things, which that kind of leads me into my next question for you. Um, I'm sure that, you know, you've run the, the website for a while. You have the YouTube channel. You've noticed that, uh, at least I, I know that I've noticed it, not only for the, for the for Prepper website, but also for the podcast, is when you have those sensational uh, topics like EMPs, the bug out bags, all those types of things. Those are going to be the things that get the most clicks. Those are going to be the ones that people, you know, one of you, they want to, they want to engage with. Uh, it's the sexy part of preparedness, right? So how right. can we help people in the preparedness community focus more on that preparedness for everyday life or that practical preparedness that, that you're talking about? What, what, what do you do uh, along those lines? So I think the first thing is, is I just try to promote it as a basic responsibility of being a citizen of the country. You know, I haven't worked for the government for a total of about 24 years now. The, the, the biggest thing that I have learned about that is the government's not preparing for you. They're not preparing to come and help you. They are worried about their own self-interest and, and securing their own infrastructure and their own continuity of government and all that kind of stuff. They are not going to help you. So you really need to be responsible and, and be ready to help yourself, you know, at least for a few weeks or a month. You know what I mean? Like that, that's kind of the, the basic thing. Um, I think the other thing is, is that I, I try to, I kind of view it like insurance, like car insurance. You know, I've, I've heard people say this in the prepping industry before, and I think it makes, makes a lot of sense. We all have car insurance. We all have homeowners insurance. Well, we should also have food insurance and disaster insurance. And that's really what prepping is, is disaster insurance, taking some steps ahead of time to make sure that you're ready to go in case there's a big problem. So those are, those are kind of the, uh, the big things I, I think there. And I think one other thing that I, that I do uh, sometimes more than other people is I 
try to get them to understand that while OPSEC is important, it's not the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, is that if you can, let's say you live in a neighborhood and you've got 10 neighbors, right? If you can, if you can talk with your neighbors about becoming more prepared and it gets them to start thinking and to start taking, taking some steps to be more prepared, that is ensuring your safety. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and a lot of people worry about, well, if I talk anything about prepping, then they're going to know that I have stuff and they're going to come to my house. Okay. If you're preparing appropriately and you have a proper security plan, you're assuming that people are going to do that anyway. Right. So your posture is going to be such that you're ready to deal with that eventuality. So that really shouldn't keep you from trying to get your neighbors on board. Because if you, if you can get eight of your 10 neighbors to start getting into prepping, and, and explaining it to them in really rational and low key ways that make sense to people, then you have just increased your security posture exponentially because now you've got 10 people around you who, you know, you know, their background, you can trust them and, and you can, you can use them as part of your group to ensure your own neighborhood security. And so uh, that's something that I think still to this day, people don't, often agree with and that's okay you know people have differing opinions and all that stuff um but that's what i have tried to do and i've found it uh, to be pretty successful um one of the great ways is the um the card game conflicted Mm -hmm. you know it's the survival card game and you know when you're sitting around having your neighbors over to play some games or something along those lines be like hey i got this card game the other day let's play this and you know see what you guys think it's and it's super easy super simple and it and it starts you talking about different subjects um that make people think like what would you do and am i ready for this and you know those kinds of things and um so yeah i think i think that's uh I, I I love all that, man. I mean, we're 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 on the same page here. One of the things, you know, being in Houston, we have hurricanes, we have floods, uh, you know, all that all that crazy stuff. You know, I always talk about use those to start the conversation. You don't have to talk about preppers or even preparedness. You can just start talking about, hey, you know, being ready for uh, an emergency situation. When we had Hurricane Harvey come through. Um, really, I keep saying Houston, but it's all the whole Gulf Coast area. You know, there was a lot of people that going back to the bug in, bug out thing that would always have, they would have said, we're going to bug in. Well, they never thought that there were going to ever flood. I mean, this was, uh, I think they were calling it a thousand year flood or something like that. And uh, places of Houston flooded that we've never seen it before. And, you know, it, it's one of those things. And so you can always go back. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy because now when it rains, we're probably about three, four years out almost, mm-hmm. uh, three years. And when it rains really hard, people still have that. It's like PTSD started <laughs> right. kicking in. Here in, in my local area, the school district was closed for a whole week. And uh, people were reporting that first big rain when the kids saw the rain. A lot of them, that their houses flooded and they had to go through water. They were kind of freaking out a little bit. And so it's one of those things where you can use those to – talk about, hey, just being better prepared. You don't have to go all EMP on them. Um, I think a lot of times when people start looking and start researching on their own, 
it starts to go there by themselves. I always talk about like gardening and, and firearms is like that gateway drug to preparedness, right? Um, but eventually it starts leading that way. But, you know, on the podcast, I always talk about, you know, people are listening from all over the world, but those that live, live up north, you, you might not talk about hurricanes and floods, but you might be talking about snowstorms and blizzards and mm-hmm. talking to your neighbors about being prepared for those types of things. So I think when, you know, when you're able to use something that, that they're familiar with and you're able to say it's just smart, that you don't have to go fight the, the crowds and, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, I think that's just really smart to have some supplies back. I guess that's one, you know, one way you can always say it. And uh, it's smart to, I, I, I love that. The, the way that you were saying to focus on, you know, your, your neighbors, eight out of 10, I've, I've talked about that, where you focus on your neighbors and they're up to, um, you use them as your group, you know, your preparedness group. That's one thing that people are always struggling. They always want, that's the email that I always get. Todd, do you know anybody who's preparing up here? Right. Yeah. And, and it's like, no, you got to prepare with the people that you're around that when the SHTF situation happens, that's going to be your group, man. That's going to be your people, the, you know, your neighborhood, your neighbors and, and your community. That's yeah, I did, a, I did a video talking about that several years back because I got the same question all the time, you know, and I'm like, let's, let's think about this a little bit here. And, you know, because a lot of people go about it like, okay, we got to get a doctor in our group. We got to get a nurse in our group. We have to get uh, security guys. You know, we have to get a, a mechanic. We have to, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, those people may not be people that you know. And, and if you don't want people, you don't know how they, how they react under stress. You don't know what their family life is like. You don't know all those kind of things. You don't want to be inviting them to your you know, home or out to your, wherever your location is or whatever the case may be when you haven't really gotten to know them, you know, and, and if you have the opportunity to get to know people like that beforehand, then that's cool. Do that. But I think that the people that it makes the most sense are the, like you were saying, the people who are in your life, the people who you've seen go through tough times, you know how they react to stress. You, you know, you know what their strengths and their weaknesses are, you know, and you can, you can plug those all together and make a a pretty good, you know, cohesive group and with the least amount of stress because all groups go through stages of stress, you know, um, storming, norming, performing, and, you know, all those kinds of things. And so, if you already know the people very well, you can get to that performing stage a lot quicker and that's going to put you miles ahead of everybody else. Good. I, I, I love what you also said at the very beginning about, you know, being responsible and that's where it, where it comes down. And that's the way I start my podcast is you're doing it because you love your, you know, you love your, your family and you're doing that. You know, the, the worst thing is I want people to think about, you don't want your kids in, in a, an emergency situation be looking at you being uh, a father or a mother or the parent and saying, hey, what are we going to do? And you not have any answers or you, you don't have any options because you didn't take a little bit of time to prepare. Right. They're saying and, I'm hungry and my stomach hurts or yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I, I love that. That's, that's, for me, that's the biggest deal and uh, helping people to understand you're doing it uh, for, for your loved ones, for the people that you care about. You might not care about what happens to you, but there's people that depend on you that it's very important that you prepare for. So I, I love that. You said the government, the government's not looking out for you. One of the things that's in the news right now, that's really big. And we're still kind of, you know, we're, we're recording this on January 31st. And there's a lot of news about the coronavirus right now. It's still a, you know, kind of iffy. I think the United States, uh, 
or at some point we said that there is uh, an emergency. It's an emergency situation. Uh, they, they put that out again today or today, I think, officially. So are you following the coronavirus? Is this something that you're, you're looking into? Can you talk a little have, bit about that? Yeah, yeah, I have, I have, been, I have been following it pretty closely. Um, and the reason that I started to follow it wasn't because I'm really concerned about the virus itself. Um, it's really because I saw a huge differential between the numbers that are being reported and then the actions of the Chinese government. The, the two are not congruent. <laughs> and, and that's one thing that I've learned uh, uh, being an investigator for about 20 years is that when, when actions don't match words, then there's usually a problem. And so the more and more you look into it, it's very, very clear to me that the Chinese government is not accurately reporting numbers. And then when you start to learn a little bit about this, this new virus, and, and I will say it's, it is new, just for some people, just because you see the word coronavirus on the back of a Lysol can does not mean that it's not a new virus. There are, there are seven strains of coronavirus. Six of them were previously known. Uh, four of those cause about 15 to 30% of the common cold. Two of them are SARS and MERS. And the newest one is, is the, the uh, 2019-NCOV. Is the, is the name of it, but we'll just call it the, the novel coronavirus. Um, and when you start looking into that, uh, it's very difficult to know exactly how bad it'll be because the numbers aren't being reported correctly. Uh, but even if you believe the numbers where we're at, it's still something to be concerned with. Um, and, and for me, it's not so much the death rate uh, that's a big deal, but the, you know, the, I think they're estimating about a 20% uh, hospitalization rate where you have to go in and get breathing support and, and uh, people are developing acute respiratory distress syndrome as well as pneumonia and so it's a pretty serious thing um, and then you know we have the the long incubation period uh, it lasts you know they're saying it's anywhere from two to 14 days before you start to show symptoms and you're contagious you know pretty much a day or so after you get it right. um, so that's problematic because the way that they're screening at airports is just by taking your temperature. Well, if, if, if you just came back from China, uh, America has let thousands of people in because they didn't have a temperature when they came crap, when they came through. Well, during that four, up to 14 day period, um, you may not be showing a temperature. So I think really we just need to wait and see. Um, we need to take some basic steps um, to, to kind of be, to be ready and to be vigilant and kind of monitor the situation. And in a couple of weeks, two to three weeks, we're going to have a lot better idea of if it's going to get bad here or not. Um, but it certainly deserves our full attention, I think. Yeah. No, and, uh, you know, there's a couple of things that I was thinking about when you were saying that, you know, I guess China's building these hospitals, right? They started building that one. I think they threw one up in 48 hours. So no one can build like them, right? They can, they can, do, they can do that. But they started building this really early on. And, you know, going back to what you were saying, why, why if, you know, the numbers are so low, why are you building this humongous hospital uh, doing it? Why are you shutting down all of these cities that, that you're shutting down? You're canceling, you know, school is canceled, uh, till March, you know, uh, so some of the school uh, mm -hmm. schools in the cities and all these different things. And, and it's just, yeah, like you said, it doesn't add up. I think one of the things in the preparedness community, because I think 
<laughs> so many people have cried wolf so many times that there's a lot of people out there that don't want to say, you know, sound any kind of alarm or anything like that because they don't want to look be looked at as a as a wackadoo. They don't want to go back and say, "Ah, oh, you made a big deal about the coronavirus and nothing happened." Just like Ebola or H one N one or sure. you know whatever you know war with North Korea, all that kind of stuff. And so a lot of people are, are taking that wait and see uh, attitude. But I think it does make a lot of sense to be thinking about what you would do to be prepared. Just like if you waited to get N95 mask right now, you, you're not yeah. going to get them. Yeah. I mean, you can't find them. I, uh, I know a guy who, who spent $30 on a really expensive N95 mask, you know, uh, off of Amazon because he couldn't find the ones that you can get, you know, 24, seven ninety nine, right? One, one place you might check. Um, I just checked the other day. I had some, but I was like, yeah, maybe I'll pick up some more. Um, went to Walgreens. They didn't have any, although I saw today they were restocking some, but, uh, Home Depot and Lowe's, mm-hmm. they actually do have some N95, uh, masks there and stuff as well. They're not medical grade ones, but they're definitely going to be better than nothing. So, that might be, but I know like Amazon and walmart.com and all those kind of things, those are all sold out. Um, but you might be able to find some in your hardware stores if you hadn't, if, you know, you might check those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I wrote an article not uh, just a couple of days ago on, on 20 practical steps that you can take, you know, for the coronavirus and it's things that we could start doing now to um, just start to, lean towards the idea that maybe there's an issue with the coronavirus, not taking, you know, huge steps, but, you know, limiting, um, you know, how, how much you interact with people socially, how often you go out to eat, maybe going to big concerts and, you know, uh, those kinds of things. I mean, just practical kind of things like that. So if folks wanted to check that out, it's on the, on the website where they can see that as well. All right. That's cool. I'll, uh, I'll link to that article in the show notes so people can get to it easily um, when, um, when, when we get off here and do that. So um, let me see here. We've, we talked a little bit about uh, the coronavirus and, and all that good stuff. Um, wh- when's it going to be the time for you that you say, okay, here, th- this is getting serious now. And then, to be honest, I haven't really thought about that either. Cause I'm kind of just throwing that out there. Um, you know, what, at what point do we say this is, this is serious? So um, I, I'm in a pretty lucky position to, to when I work with the government. So I'll, I'll have um, the ability to see, you know, what they're saying on the inside about, um, the, you know, for the military preparedness and that kind of thing. And when they start getting concerned about that, uh, that'll, that'll let me know that, maybe I need to be paying a little bit more attention here. And I'll tell you, I've already taken some steps, you know, I've already, um, you know, like I said, I was out looking for some masks. I've picked up some additional hand sanitizer and some, uh, Hebe cleanse, you know, uh, microbiological soap, uh, or antimicrobial soap. Um, you know, little, little things like that. I mean, we're, we're paying attention to it. Mm-hmm. So I think we're already in that, that yellow phase, you know, where we're kind of, we're kind of watching it. We're monitoring it. But um, probably, probably the big thing is um, if there starts to be any restriction of, of movements, um, you know, m- more than just foreigners coming to the United States. Mm-hmm. If, if, it, if we start to see any of that kind of stuff, we're probably already 
past the point of, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, where we should be. But, uh, but I'll, I'll just be watching the alerts and the bulletins and, and those kind of things and, and trying to keep a status on it and um, make the call there. But uh, mostly I'm, I'm already taking steps to try to limit my, my interaction and, yeah. you know, stuff like that with large crowds and whatnot. I'm, I'm very surprised just in the people that I know that I run into that I work with that just really don't have any visibility of this at all. You know, uh, I think I read an article that uh, most of the, like 71% of what's coming out through the news is all about the impeachment. And then I think Kobe Bryant had the, the last, you know, like, I don't know, like 11% or something like that. And then the last uh, little bit of that was the coronavirus. And so there's just not a lot of people really talking about it. Um, but like you said, we'll, we'll see how that ramps up. You know, talking about the N95 mask, I know uh, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy uh, mm -hmm. over at doomandbloom.net, I know that they have a store and they had a big supply of them as well. And so um, I, I saw that, I saw that they had posted that at some point here just recently. So if anybody uh, needs any supply, any of those supplies, they can go there as well if you can't find them at your hardware store. But that, that's good. That makes a lot of sense. All right. So uh, one of the things I've recently done for my readers on Prepper website and on the podcast is I've done a survey and uh, to find out like their number of years of experience in preparedness. And what I found is that it, it really, it varies a lot. Um, and so I thought maybe we were talking a little bit about pr practical preparedness and, and, and that um, with that, with all of that, if, if we're looking at different, I guess what I'm trying to say is if we're looking at the different stages in the, the years that people have prepared, everybody's going to be at different stages. Somebody, somebody who is brand new to preparedness, they're going to, I know they're probably going to be freaking out and all that kind of stuff, right? But they're going to have a certain set of things that they really need to be focused on compared to people that have been prepping for five to 10 years. And there's, there's a lot of people that follow the website and listen to the podcast that have been prepping for five to 10 years or, or more. And so, what kinds of ideas when we're talking about pr practical preparedness, if we can just look at these stages like zero to six months, one to two years, two to five years and five plus years, what kind of advice would you give to people along those lines, um, knowing that they build on one another, a, a couple of pieces of advice that you would give? So I think the first thing that I would say is that it's, it's really important to just know the eight essential needs for any disaster scenario. Right. And those are basically food, water, shelter, power generation, um, health and medical security, self-defense and communication and intel and then travel. So if you if you look at those basic things and then you just you just try to kind of simplify those down into those categories, um, you know, probably what I would recommend is like if you're from zero to six months, you know, maybe you want to shoot for having a, a month's worth of food and, and two weeks worth of water and a way to gather more, you know, a filter and, and those kinds of things. Um, some very basic firearms and self-defense. And then your get home bag and your bug out bag, good first aid kit, maybe a little bit of training in first aid. Because first aid is probably going to be one of the first things and early things that you really need to understand because in disaster scenarios, people tend to get hurt a lot. So, um, then in the, you know, in the one to two year time frame, I would say maybe you bump up your, your goal for your food supply to go up to six months. Maybe you look at trying to have a month's worth of water on hand. 
you know, water is a difficult one because it's, it's very hard to store large, large amounts and people don't generally have that much space and stuff like that. Um, maybe you could look at getting, you know, some more advanced firearms, start stocking up a little bit of ammo, do some advanced medical training, uh, maybe even take some firearms training, you know, once you get a little bit more into it or whatever. Um, at the, where we, that was the one to two years. So yeah, maybe the two to five years, I'd probably stretch out that goal, that food storage goal to somewhere around, you know, one year. Um, maybe you start to look at some more advanced options for, for uh, gathering water and, and filtering water and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm actually getting ready to do a review on the aqua poacher, which is a cool little thing that you can put down into a well to manually get water out of a well. Um, some different things like that. Um, but you know, at this point you might also be looking at, um, getting some night vision, some thermal options, some of the more advanced kind of equipment and stuff that you don't necessarily have to have, but it's kind of nice to have gives you, it's kind of a force multiplier, you know? Um, and I think at this point too, you really have to be looking at group development. Um, you've got to really be, and, and you probably should start looking at that even earlier, but if you haven't covered that at this point, you really need to start focusing on that, I think. Um, and then beyond five years, I think the biggest thing is, is you need to start leading the community and teaching others about the lifestyle. You know, once, you, once you've really settled into it and you're pretty well prepared, if you're not passing along to other people, you're not doing the community a service. You know I mean? You're really doing a, the community a disservice. Um, and so I think people that have been doing it for a while, they need to share their knowledge. You know, that's the great thing about like, I don't like a lot about YouTube, um, you know, and I've even been trying to transfer over to, to GunStreamer and stuff like that because I don't like their politics. But, you know, these, these social media sites that we have enable us to share a lot of wealth of, of information with other people. And those people who have experience in it, who've learned from their mistakes, they've tried, you know, done trial and error and, and picked up stuff, you got to share it with everybody. So uh, that's, that's kind of my thoughts on it, I guess. That's good. I, I, I love that. Um, any, any ideas on how someone can share their preparedness? Um, I guess teach, I mean, I, I've talked about, you could do it in your church group. You can do it in your, you know, whatever community, uh, you know, your community groups and different things like that. But any other ideas that you might be able to give people that maybe places they can look, but then also places if, if they are, experienced maybe they start to share their so one thing that i've done recently is i've contacted my um my state um uh, emergency services department and state fema reps and um i'm going to look at start starting to teach uh cert classes um that's that's one potential way um you know, there's other groups like search and rescue groups and stuff. A lot of search and rescue guys are into prepping and stuff. You could maybe get involved with those groups. Um, like you said, church groups are good. Um, the VFW, you know, hang out and talk with those guys. That, that's a potential way to develop some, some people that are interested in it too because a lot of military folks are, are interested. Um, and obviously the easiest ones on social media. Uh, I've got a group on uh, Facebook called Prepper Skills. And I think we've got 43,000 or so folks in there. 
And uh, people are constantly, you know, hey, here's what I did this weekend. This is how you make sourdough bread, or this is how, you know, I did one on butter. Here's how you make butter from raw milk. And here's, and, you know, here's some firearms training we've been doing. And here's, you know, and that kind of stuff. And you can just share it out with people. And, you know, there's, there's trolls uh, in, in every social media uh, space, just like anywhere else. But the vast majority of people are very supportive and, and you know, are very uh, willing to learn and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and here recently, I've actually seen a pretty big uptick in the numbers of people that are, that are joining those groups. So that's, that's kind of promising. I think that's good. Yeah, I, I, think, I think a lot of the people in the preparedness community, at least the website owners and those that run YouTube channels and podcasts, have been concerned about um, some of the numbers falling off. Uh, since you know Trump has uh, President Trump has taken uh, you know the White House in his election, but I, I do see a resurgence. I, I do see people desiring to learn more, and especially as you start seeing all these other things, coronavirus, you start seeing all these things popping up. You know, people are going to want answers, and when we are able to provide those answers for them, that is a, a positive thing. And we're not doing it from the doomsday preppers, you know, the the wackadoos or whatever. We're coming from a very like you like you've been talking about that practical preparedness point of view. It just it just makes sense. It makes common sense to to have a little bit put back. So good, good. Uh, a lot of great ideas there. So let's go ahead and uh, we can wrap it up. Uh, I know that you're a family man. Uh, I saw your in fact on your buttermilk. Uh, I guess that was your son. Was that your yeah. son on that right? Yeah. So uh, you know I, I saw him on there, and I always talk about. Uh, how those of us who prepare are doing so, like I said, for ourselves and for our families, so that when things go sideways in in whatever way that that might happen, they're not looking at us because uh, because we, they're not looking at us with you know hey what to do you know because we know what to do and we're able to move into that. So, what are your views in incorporating family into preparedness? Uh, you know, does your family understand why you prep? Is that are are they part of it or uh, are you like the lone prepper in your in your household? So I'm I'm actually very blessed in this regard. Um, I I have always taken the um, the tract of trying to get them involved as much as possible. Um, so my kids are are intimately involved with it. I have them come out and make videos with me quite often. You know, I take them to the shooting range and I teach them to shoot and I, you know, we go out into the woods and go on hikes and, um, you know, we'll stop. Hey, okay. What happens if Tanner gets a broken leg? What do we do now? You know, and I'll have them go through crisis planning, have them go through, you know, figuring out what are they going to do or, you know, how they're going to, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so, yeah, we've, I've always kept them, them pretty, pretty involved. Um, my wife is not as involved um, but she's a hundred percent supportive of it. And, you know, the kind of the way that I've, it's just the things that we've been talking about today. I've always explained to her is that I just, I view this as, um, part of my responsibility as a father and a provider that, you know, I have to be thinking about how I'm going to take care of you guys if something bad happens, you know? And so, um, She's always been very receptive to that. Now, if I start talking about EMPs and, you know, <laughs> uh, mass kill-offs from pandemics and all that kind of stuff, she starts to get pretty nervous pretty quick, and, and she doesn't like that a lot. You know what I mean? Um, she's not real super into firearms, but she knows how to use them. We've gone to the range multiple times, and she's at least proficient. Um, but, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm pretty lucky in that regard, and I think that it's, 
I think it's important to, to involve your family. Um, I did a video on, I think, one five ways to get your spouse on board into prepping or something like that one time where I listed out a few ways that, um, you know, were helpful. And a lot of we've covered, you know, previously in this, but, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much that, I think. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people, going back to that survey, that was one of the questions. Uh, I think the older people, I think it's quite interesting. The older people, it's, you know, both spouses are prepping. Mm-hmm. But uh, it seems like the younger people, it's, the, you know, whoever answered the survey. And there's, there was women as well as men. Uh, but, you know, a lot of them said that they were the solo prepper in the family. And they were, you know, all on their own. And uh, I completely understand that. That's why when you were talking about having some kind of a group to connect with, uh, if you're into, if, if you're still into social media, having something like that is very powerful or being on forums and, you know, being in an email group that, that I promote, that's one of those things where, you know, having people that you can, uh, bounce things off of, I think are very, very important. So, uh, that's good. Any, any last things that you'd like to share with, uh, the prepper website podcast community? No, I can't really think of anything. I, I recently started a, a little project on my website where, um, well, I guess I can't think of something since, <laughs> since I just threw that out there, um, uh, where I've started creating um, checklists for uh, disaster-specific stuff. And I haven't gotten real far down the list. I think I've done uh, car accidents, forest fires, house fires, and then I have an emergency uh, preparedness guide. And if People get there today, I think before midnight, and maybe I'll extend it for another week or so, uh, and use the coupon code Reality Survival. Those are free right now, um, and you can download those for free and, and take a look at them. I've been looking for people to give me some feedback on them, on whether or not they're good, bad, how they can be changed, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and my my long term plan is is to just offer them for you know a couple dollars or something, and that way people could go through there'll be a whole library of them eventually, and say okay, well I have to worry about hurricanes and forest fires, but I don't really need to worry about all these other things. So you could add those into your emergency binder, you know, and, and I think having an emergency binder is a hugely important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having all your important documents and, you know, for your home and insurance and, you know, all those kinds of things is part of that. But then also having just some checklists that you can look at like, oh crap, we're going to get a, a massive snowstorm. What do I do? Mm-hmm. You know, like what are some things I can take some steps I can take ahead of time to make this a little easier to deal with. And then, when we're in the middle of the situation, what are some things to think about? So that's kind of the, the mindset with what I've had with creating these, these first few that I've got uh, going, but uh, yeah, folks can check that out if they want to. Awesome. I'll, uh, I'll share that out on my Saturday email that goes out. And uh, yeah, so this, this will go out. We're recording it on Friday evening. This will go out on Sunday evening. And uh, so, yeah, if you give, if you give those that are listening a week, I'm sure they'll be uh, greatly appreciate or they'll greatly appreciate that and uh, give you, give you some feedback. That'd be great. All right, JJ, thanks so much, man, for taking your Friday night to uh, spend with us here as we uh, we're recording this. We greatly appreciate it. And uh, where can people find you if they're wanting uh, to connect with you in a, in a greater way? Sure. So, uh, website is realitysurvival.com. Um, like I said, we've got the group in Facebook that is prepper skills. If you type that in, um, you can find that. 
And then if you want to email me directly questions or whatever the case may be, then it's just reality survival at protonmail.com. Perfect. Perfect. And I'm going to link to reality survival, YouTube, your YouTube channel. Yeah. Uh, I'll link to the, to the Facebook page, prepper skills. And uh, also I think I'm going to lead also to that coronavirus article as well. So uh, it's because we mentioned it and that way I just, I like to make it easy for people to be able to just click on the, in the show notes and, and go straight there. So we'll, we'll do that as well. All right, man. I, again, thanks so much uh, for being a part of uh, this episode. We greatly appreciate it. We hope to have you back sometime soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Well guys, I hope you agree with me that that was a great podcast interview and it was just a, again a really great time to be able to talk with JJ and hang out with him a little bit. Hey, all the the things that we talked about, all the links, um, his free downloads that are only going to be up uh, he said uh, another week are all that information is in the show notes. And so I try to make that really easy for you. I, I don't try to send you to another website or anything like that. I try to make it really easy for you where you can click it in the show notes if you if you want to do it that way or if you want to go to a desktop and you want to download the PDFs and, and check out all the other things there on a desktop, then you can always go to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com and that's going to be episode 620 slash episode or EP620. And so, uh, you know, again, try to make it really easy. A lot of the times, the things that I do on this podcast, I, I do it because I listen to other podcasts. I mean, it was kind of funny the other day, somebody was asking about music and what kind of music do you listen to? And somebody that knows me says, he doesn't listen to music, he just listens to podcasts and, you know, audible books and, and different things like that. So that's very true. So I listen to a lot of podcasts and when I want to go and, you know, click on something or I want to go get some more information about what something the host said, and they don't have it in the show notes. It's such a pain because then you got to go track it down. And so, again, that gets on my nerves and I try to make it really easy for you. So I put it in the show notes so that you can get it. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 620. Hey, don't forget, if you are listening to this episode and you are not subscribed, click the subscribe button in your podcast catcher. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And I'd love for you to take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes, but if you sign up for the email list, not the exclusive Prepper email group, but the email list, I will send you the free PDF, 25 handpicked preparedness articles that you should read. These are articles that I have read and I have gathered over the years on Prepper website. Some of these you can't even find on the internet any longer. And so I will send that as long as well as some other stuff that you get in the email. So I'd love to be able to send that to you if you are wanting to sign up for the email list. Hey, also, if you're looking for more preparedness throughout the week, you can always go to PrepperWebsite.com. We have a, we post somewhere between 8 to 12 articles every single day um, of the best preparedness stuff that is being released on the internet. And then we have specific pages that are linked to you know things that, that are topic topical right so firearms alternative news uh, frugal living diy all those good things even uh you know prophecy if you're into that in the weekly watchman we've been updating that every single week and so if you go to the top right hand corner there's a drop down you will find all those links right there well guys and with that choose to live a more self-reliant life choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind until next week stay prepped and aware peace <laughs>